0: I'm part of the pastoral staff here um, and this evening we are carrying on with a series that James started a couple of weeks ago um, called Graceville Community and um, yeah for the next five weeks or so we are looking at this concept of a graceful community um, and it's not just kind of a nice idea that we've come up with um, that we've just kind of plucked out of thin air it's one of the values that we think God has called us to as a church A while ago, as a staff team, we spent some time away, um, some retreat time away, and we really wanted to kind of work out, you know, what was God's vision for, not necessarily where we're going as a church, but what kind of church we wanted to be. Um, What values we wanted to reflect through all that we do as a church. And we spent this time away um, a few years ago, and we came up with five values that we would love to be aiming for as a church, which you may or may not be familiar with, depending on how new you are to this community. Um, It should come up behind me. Our values are this. That we as a community want to be captivated by Jesus and compelled by his love to be, and then here they are, a graceful community full of shameless worshippers who are outrageously generous, courageously compassionate, and carry the kingdom wherever we go. There are five church values that Jesus underpins all of them, and then we want to be a graceful community, we want to be shameless worshippers, outrageously generous, courageously compassionate, and kingdom carriers. And so this sermon series is just looking at the first one of those, the graceful community, just the first one of those. Um, and uh, when James spoke a couple of weeks ago, you know, he was talking that our heart as a church community is that we want to welcome anyone that wants to be part of us. Wherever they're at, wherever they're at in that journey of faith, wherever people are at, we want to welcome anyone. And um, James was talking about, you know, wanting, us wanting to see the, um, the masterpiece in people, not the mud. And that being um, a part of, of being a graceful community is choosing to see the masterpiece, not the mud. And it starts, of course, with knowing the grace that has been given us to us by Jesus. Um, James said this in his talk, grace-filled people create grace-filled communities. You know, people that know the grace available to them create grace-filled communities. And so this evening, as we continue this series, the second part of this series, I'd love just to look at a little bit in more depth as how do we actually live that out? Um, In reality, you know, what does a community that is grace-filled even look like? What are the characteristics of a community like that? And as I said, you know, as I'm talking today, I'm also really aware that that is a visionary value, that we're not there yet, that as a community, we are a work in progress. Just as individuals, we're a work in progress. Um, As a community, we're a work in progress. I've got to break it to you. We are not perfect as a church. Oh, yes. Some of you are shocked. Some of you, yes, I know, well aware. Um... We are that, but the, the vision of being gra- a graceful community, that's what we're working towards. And we hope that we are being transformed as a community to be more like. But let's be honest from the very beginning that being in community can be really hard, can't it? It can be really hard. Community life can be complicated. You know, I say one of the best things about the church is that we get to do it together. And then one of the hardest things about the church is that we do it together. That's one of the hardest things. You know, the church is a family, and that means we don't get to choose who we do it with necessarily. And we're all different. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. We've all got our own different kind of stuff going on, our flaws, our mud. Going back to James's talk, we've all got our own things going on. And the reality is we've all got different personalities, different strengths. The reality is we're not all going to get along all the time. But Jesus has called us, God has called us, his church, to be an authentic, real community that demonstrates his love to the world around us. And um, and so I just want to think about, you know, what would be the characteristics of a community be like that is pursuing Jesus? You know, how does this community, how should this community work differently because of the grace that we've experienced in Jesus? So kind of a good starting point, I think, is looking at um, the man of Paul in the New Testament. And he wrote lots of letters to churches as they were popping up um, in the New Testament. And he wrote a letter to the church, and the Colossian church, about kind of full of advice for how to do church community well. So we're going to have a, look at, a little look at that, Colossians 3. If you've got a Bible with you, it's um, turn to it. Um, if not, it's going to pop up behind me on the screen. Um, before we jump into it, so we're going to look at Colossians 3, 1 to 14. And before we just jump into it, I'd love just to pray this evening, if you'd join me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these words we're about to read. Thank you that they are true. And Lord, I pray you take this time now as we look at your word together as we look at Scripture together. I pray for each person here that you would take them on a journey this evening. That this evening would be a discipling moment of growing um, in love for your word and love for your truth. Lord Jesus, have your way among us this evening. Amen. Amen. So let's jump into. So Paul says this in Colossians three, starting at verse one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So Paul has a lot to say here to the Colossians about how they should treat one another in their community. And this evening, I'm just going to focus primarily on those last three verses, 12 to 14. Um, And as I've kind of been looking at them, I think there's three, kind of each one contains a kind of a golden nugget of of insight from Paul of how to do a graceful community well. So we're going to look at them one at a time. So verse 12, um, Paul's instruction is to put on new clothes put on new clothes. It's an image that runs throughout the whole passage, right from the beginning. If you look the whole way through, it talks about taking on, putting off, um, putting on rather, taking off, putting on. Um, Take off your old clothes, put on new ones. Now, he's not kind of talking from like a fashion point of view here. I don't think Paul was much of a kind of a fashionista. Um, But instead, he's talking um, about a community that is being transformed. In verse 12, he says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And as I've kind of been writing this talk, I've been so aware of what an amazing metaphor it is to use. It works so well through these verses here because what you wear is an expression of who you are, isn't it? Um, It shows what you value or don't value, depending. Um, What your job is, maybe. Not for everyone, but maybe what your job is. When small children want to be someone else, you know, maybe they're in their imagination, they want to be a Disney princess or a pirate. What's the first thing they do? They run to the dressing up box and pull out the clothes and dress up like them because there's something in that moment of taking on the identity helps them kind of pretend to be someone. Our clothes are part of our identity. It's what people often notice about you first thing, isn't it? And Paul is telling the Colossians to make sure, um, to, to take note of what people notice about them. And he thinks that the first thing people should notice about them, their identity, should be their, their compassion, their kindness, their humility, their gentleness, their patience it's a bit of a kind of command from Paul, isn't it? Clothe yourselves. It's a bit of a command. He's saying, choose to dress yourselves to look more like Jesus. Again, metaphorically speaking, you'll be pleased to know. Um, it's a choice we make. You know, As adults, most of us get to decide what we wear most of the time, don't we? It's part of being a grown-up, being able to choose what you want to wear. Now, for anyone with small children your time may come. You will know the pain, the battle of a child that no longer wants to be dressed by you, that gets, wants to choose what they wear all day. I've spent many a day, I've got two small boys, and I've spent many a day kind of almost going behind them, explaining to anyone that comes into contact with them that this child definitely chose what they were wearing themselves this day. Just in case it reflects badly on me as a, as a parent, I'm like, yes, dressed himself, yeah, yeah, that was his own choice. Dressed entirely in beige. My eldest often was like dressed entirely in beige, and I'd be like, yeah, Chose that, chose that himself. Even if people wanted to listen or not, I'd be there explaining, trying to justify myself. Part of choosing what we wear is part of the growing up process. It's part of that process of becoming an adult, part of asserting our identity, who we want to be. Um, And Paul's metaphor here kind of implies that we have the same choice on how we clothe ourselves spiritually as well. We have the same choice growing up. As we grow up in our faith, we have the same choice about how we clothe ourselves spiritually. Now, before Paul go, uh, tells us what to put on, in the verses before verse 12, he's been saying what well, they should be taking off, what clothes they should be taking off. You know, Paul reminds the the Colossians here about the new life they have in Jesus, about the new life they have in Jesus, and how with this new life they found in Jesus, their old life is gone, their old life is past. Um, the way that they used to live has been put to death. And that's the gospel message. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, our old life is gone. And we have a new life avail- available to us in Jesus. And as we begin to walk in our new life, um, you know, um, Paul is, is instructing us and them, He's inst- uh, the Colossians as well as us. He's instructing us to put to death our old habits, our sexual immorality, our impurity, our lust, our evil desires and our greed. And he's telling the Colossians, rid yourself of destructive behaviours such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. In verse 7, he says, You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of such things. You know, like old clothes that don't fit us anymore, Paul is saying, you know, take them off and put them down. They just don't fit right. They don't fit you anymore. You've outgrown them. Take them off, put them down, and wear these new clothes. For Paul, this new community should be dressed totally differently. Now I think it might just be me and James and a couple of others that were a teenager in the 90s. I think it's just yeah, just me and you, James, holding the fort here this evening. Oh, actually, I'm not going to start naming people that are obviously also <laughs> teenagers in the 90s, as I might insult you. But you, you might have missed it. In fact, some of you might not even. Some of you probably weren't born in the 90s. That's the reality, isn't it? That's scary. Yeah, that's painful. Ministry, please. Um, <clears throat> so those of you that missed it, you missed a, a brilliant decade of fashion. Um, you missed out on. Shell suits. Oh yes, highly flammable shell suits. Kicker shoes with like a red tab and a green tab on each one. Oh yes. Crimp tear. I think that might be. Is co- that come back in fashion yet? Is that so? Has that come back in fashion? Does that come all the way around? Oh yes. Okay. Um, and when you see fo- when when I see photos of myself from that era, I must admit I look and I think, was that really me? Oh my goodness, was that what I looked like? How did I ever think that was a good look? Um, You know, and and, and for Paul, the Colossians should look back on their old life and feel the same way, obviously in a deeper sense. You know, look at their old clothes in bewilderment, astonishment. Was I really like that? Is that really how I lived? For Paul, the Colossians should be dressed totally differently now. And he, he thinks these are the characteristics that they should be dressing themselves in. I'll read them again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Is that what people see when they look at your life? Is that what people see? If people were to describe you, are they w- some of the words they might use? Now, for most of us, let's be honest, it depends who you ask and on what day. <laughs> but the reality is, and that is, of course, we are in a process of transformation. You know, just like that kind of like our visionary value to be a graceful community, that recognizes that we are all in that process of transformation. And of course, none of us are there yet. That is the Christian life is about being transformed more and more into Jesus' likeness. So we're all on that journey. And we're going to look in a couple of weeks' time, later on in this series, about how um, this community should be deeply transformational. Um, A graceful community is deeply transformational. That um, kind of one of our mantras as a vineyard and part of the vineyard movement is come as you are. Come as you are. Welcome. Anyone can come. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Let Jesus inspire you and change you. So I'm not going to labour that too much now because I don't want to kind of steal the thunder of the talk in a couple of weeks' time. But I do just want to point out a couple of things from this passage. Firstly, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. That is how we can throw off the old clothes and put on new ones. It's the Holy Spirit that can help us put on a new wardrobe. Um, And it's it's our choice to partner with the Holy Spirit, to invite him in, to partner with us, to grow the fruits of his Spirit in us. You know, elsewhere in Scripture, Paul writes about the fruits of the Spirit, the stuff that you should see, the characteristics that should come out of a life that is being lived with with them, in step with the Spirit. And they're they're similar characteristics to what he's talking about here. It's those same characteristics that we should see in our lives if the Holy Spirit is living in us. And if you're like there thinking, do you know what, no one would say that about me. No one would recognize those, you know, those fruits of the Spirit in me. Then I'd love just to recommend just, you know, a good challenge why not start every day this week by saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. Change me to be more like Jesus. And just see the journey that he takes you on. So firstly, it's by, it's with the Holy Spirit. It's partnering with the Holy Spirit that we are transformed. And secondly, I'd love just to say that um, not only do we get these new clothes by partnering with the Holy Spirit, but on top of that, it's in the context of community as well. We're not meant to live out this Christian life of our own. Paul here is writing to a church. He's writing to a church community. He's talking to people as a whole community, and there is something deeply transformational about community. You know, it's living amongst each other that we get to, look, to work out our stuff, our flaws, our weaknesses. You know, there's nothing like being in community with people to kind of realize how judgmental you are or how selfish you are or how, I don't know, how little patience you have. That's what community does, and it disciples you. That's the discipling experience of being in a community like this. We're not supposed to do it on our own. And there are some character transformations, some wardrobe changes that only happen in the context of community. So that's kind of uh, the first principle of Paul's strategy for becoming a graceful community. Put on new clothes. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Do it in community, but put on new clothes. And the second one in verse 13, so that was verse 12. Verse 13, he says, bear with and forgive. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bear with. Bear with. I instantly feel like Miranda Hart when I say that. Bear with. Bear with. Um, but I love the fact right at the beginning, Paul is saying, you know, you're going to have to bear with each other and forgive. You know, he's just listed the qualities that the Colossian church should show. But straight away, he acknowledges that, then, that they are also in a process of transformation like us. That these are not perfect people living with each other. And there are going to be times when that community and this community have to bear with each other, where we have to bear with each other and forgive. Paul's saying in this moment, yeah, I get it. People are going to annoy you. The church will sometimes, people in church will sometimes let you down, frustrate you, they will hurt you. Inevit- that's inevitable. But you have a choice on how you respond. As we said at the beginning, you know, you don't get a choice in who you do this with, this church family. You don't get a choice in who you live out the Christian life with. And we're not going to necessarily get on with each other all the time. And there are going to be moments when we let each other down and hurt each other. And sometimes that will be in a big way, and sometimes that might be in a petty way. You know, I'll never, ever forget in my church growing up, um, I was about 12, I think, and I remember um, kind of the um, confusion (laughs) of these two women in our church having the biggest falling out, over what bunting to put up at a church party for our youth worker and it was ludicrous I mean ludicrous and um, but they were so hurt they hurt each other so badly about this this disagreement they'd had and it's really lodged in my brain because I remember as a 12 year old thinking "Hmm, it turns out adults fall out about the same kind of stuff that kids fall out about it turns out you don't get more sophisticated necessarily as you get older um, and I don't know how they resolved it. I assume they have, as it was well over 20 years ago. Um, I hope they have. Imagine if they hadn't. I'm sure they have. Um, but what should make a church community different is how we respond in those moments. How we respond, how we choose to respond. Now, I started off this evening by talking about um, the time that we spent as a, as a staff team looking um, at and seeking the Lord. for the f- f- We came up with five values. That we felt the Lord put on our heart, that we want to be kind of to kind of run through everything we do as a community. And then a few months ago, we sat down. And we thought, let's go through each one of those values and just add kind of a statement to kind of unpick it a bit more. And this is um, I kind of dug it out this week. This is what we wrote when we did this for Graceful Community. <coughs> we wrote this: the grace and forgiveness that God shows us means that we welcome anyone. That's what James was talking about a couple of weeks ago. We welcome anyone. We forgive quickly and love extravagantly, forgive quickly and love extravagantly, forgive quickly. You know, we have an expression amongst us as as a staff team, get ugly early, get ugly early. And that means, you know, we recognize, again, there's going to be times as as a smaller team, as a staff team, that we will have to bear with each other and forgive. Get ugly early, have the conflict, forgive each other and move on. Don't let it fester, forgive quickly. Um, You know, and Paul's saying in this moment, you know, choose to deal with this well. Forgive quickly. Um, Don't cut people out of your life because they've hurt you. Don't push it down and pretend it wasn't a big deal because someone's hurt you and you couldn't possibly admit you've been hurt. Don't badmouth them to everyone else. You know, don't go around telling everyone else what an idiot this person's been. But deal with it. Have the conflict. Talk to them about it. And forgive quickly. Choose to forgive at this point, it's probably helpful just to make an aside. I'm aware, you know, I don't want to kind of sound like I'm being kind of flippant or skipping over it lightly. You know, I'm well aware of the, the deep damage that can be done and maybe has been done to you by a church community. Um, and some things can go deeper. What I'm kind of talking about this evening is the kind of day-to-day stuff that comes within a community that is doing life together, a community of different kinds of people from different backgrounds with different strengths, all doing life together. And I'm not skipping over the deep hurt that can be done within a church community. And if that is you this evening, do you know we have people, we have programs that would love to support you um, in working through that. I think the emphasis is still the same. Forgive. Forgive quickly. Well, that might take longer, but still choose to forgive and move through that process. If you'd like to kind of go through that, if you go on the church life bit on our website, you'll see the pastoral care section on there, and there's lots of details on there about if you want us to kind of work through some of that stuff with you, we've got various different ways that you can do that. <clears throat> but whether it's big things or small things, um, I believe we are called to adopt a posture of our heart of forgiveness and forbearance. Forgiveness and forbearance. Martin Luther King says this, Forgiveness is not an occasional act, it's a permanent attitude. It's not an occasional act, it's a permanent attitude. It's an attitude we have to develop and cultivate in our lives. And our kind of starting point for doing that, if you like, is going back to how much we have been forgiven. You know, it's easy to forget over the years of being a Christian how much we've been uh, forgiven. You know, the mud in our own lives that needs to be forgiven. And you know, when we acknowledge the debt that Jesus has paid on our behalf, you know, the cost that it took for him to reconcile each one of us to, to, the, to our Father in heaven, when we start with that, it is much easier then to then offer that forgiveness to other people. And if you struggle with forgiveness, it might just be you need to re-engage again with the forgiveness that has been offered to you by Jesus. Tim Keller says this, the more you rejoice in your own forgiveness, the quicker you will be to forgive others. How are you doing with this? Are there people in your life right now, in this community particularly, in the scope of this talk, are there people that you need to forgive? Will you commit to doing that, to starting on that process, to forgive quickly? A graceful community is filled with people who forgive because they know they have been forgiven. A graceful community is filled with people who forgive because they know that they have been forgiven. And I know that this is a real challenge. (laughs) And this is a choice. Um, And it's definitely not easy. You know, real, authentic, graceful community takes work. But I think to to reap the benefits of a community like this, you have to choose to opt in. And, you know, I've been part of the, the leadership of this church for a while now. And, you know, I've observed there are different levels to which people can opt in to this kind of community, to this community. I think there's a dangerous place you could get caught in where, um, you know, you're kind of, you come along, but you're not willing to, um, to let your guard down and be known. You know It's possible to be surrounded by people yet totally disconnected. And it's tempting, isn't it, to come to church and put on a facade, to not be real, to not be authentic, to not let people in, to not choose to be part of this community in a real way. There is a cost to being vulnerable. I'm not saying it's easy, but if we want to be an authentic community, a graceful community, we need to each choose to opt in. Can I just ask you, where, you know, in terms of this community, how could you opt in more? What's the next step for you? Do you need to le- to lean into community more? You know, maybe it's a simple thing. Maybe it's just joining a small group. You know, if you're not currently part of a small group in our church, can I just encourage you, join a small group. It's just a deeper way that you can do community with people. Choose to choose to be vulnerable and sign up to a small group. Maybe it's joining a team. You know, actually saying, "I want to commit to helping this community function, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to give some of my time each week to making this community tick. I don't just want to kind of sit and watch it happen. I want to be part of it. I want to help out. Maybe it's choosing to come forward and get prayer at the end of a service. That's a vulnerable moment, isn't it? When we say, "Oh, come forward for prayer," you have to make yourself vulnerable to come forward because in that moment you're saying, "You know, I don't have this all together." I need some prayer. That is a moment where you have to choose to be vulnerable, but it's, it's being vulnerable in, in, as part of a community of saying we all need prayer, we all have our stuff. Maybe it's coming along to something like the pig and jig. You know, you maybe you don't know many people here, and to come along and think, oh, well I know anyone? That's kind of scary. But choose to opt in on some of the stuff that we do. Choose to invite people to come into some of the stuff we do. That's the, you know, for many of you, that's, that's the next step, one of those things maybe, maybe it's something else that you need to take to be part of this community. And, you know, I'm excited about seeing this community develop and grow, be more grace-filled, be more the community Jesus would have us be. And that's going to take kind of a communal opt-in, all kind of taking a next step along with opting in and making this community a place where you can come, be vulnerable, be known, and be transformed. But it does take being vulnerable. C.S. Lewis said this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Which leads me on to the third principle from Paul. Verse 14, love one another, prefer one another. He says this in verse 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's like the final moment in this is kind of the big moment, and he talks again in that kind of clothing metaphor, like put on the massive kind of coat, the kind of the finisher of an outfit, put it on, this big coat of love that goes over all things, choose to put it on. You know, in order to, um, to kind of be a community that is compassionate, that, that is kind, that is gentle, to be a community that bears with each other and forgives each other, first and foremost, we have to be a community that learns to love each other well. That is what underpins all of these things. And, we, you know, when I just talked about where the, um, the way that we kind of put the statement on our, the graceful community value, and it was, um, for, it welcom- welcomes anyone and forgives quickly and loves extravagantly. Loves extravagantly. And at its very core, if you think about it, love is about sacrifice. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Love is about sacrifice. It's about putting other people's needs before our own. It's about preferring others. The Message Bible says this, be content with second place. I love that, be content with second place. I think that's so freeing in so many ways. It means you don't constantly have to be comparing yourself with other people. You don't constantly have to be pushing yourself forwards. You don't have to be the best at something, or the prettiest, or the richest, or the most successful. You don't have to be insecure that someone more talented will come along. Learn to prefer others to yourself. A good kind of test of this is, are you able to be happy when good things happen to other people? Are you able to be happy when good things happen to other people? Especially when it's a good thing that you want it to happen to yourself. Are you able to be happy when good things happen to other people? I've never seen this kind of more so, well, a story that always stands out to me was when um, my husband, Matt and I, we used to live in London before we moved here. And we felt God call us to Cardiff to be part of this community. And uh, we're in that process and we'd, of kind of, of working out how we were gonna get here. Um, and um, at the time I was working for a Christian charity in London. And I had a, a good friend of mine, a lady called Nick, who's from New Zealand. And she was, um, her and her husband were in a similar kind of um, place. We were in these like, parallel kind of moments in our lives where she um, was also handing in her notice and was about to move back to New Zealand. So we were planning on moving to Wales, and she was moving to New Zealand, both obviously international moves. And um, we were in that process of, we didn't have a job here, we didn't have our houses here, we didn't, you know, have any kind of, um, yeah, didn't know how, what it was going to look like. And she and her husband were in the same place, said it was more hard for her, because she was also pregnant. So her husband was applying for all these jobs, and they knew they had to have something, and they knew they had like kind of a, a timeline on it, um, before the baby arrived. And so um, we were applying for loads of jobs in Cardiff, and her husband was applying for all these jobs back in New Zealand. And Matt got an interview and he came up to Cardiff one day and, um, and he had an interview with care for the family and he got the job. It was amazing. He got the job. And I remember going to work the next day and Nick was like, oh, you know, so did he get the job? And I was like, yes, he did. And she's like, that's amazing. And I was like, are you sure? Because if I'm honest, you know, I was worried you might feel a bit sad that, you know, um, that you've not got anywhere with your job searches yet. And she's like, no, 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 of course not. I'll never forget what she said. She said, if anything, that just gives me more faith because if God has been faithful to you, he is not going to leave us behind. And in that moment, she preferred us and she loved us well in that moment. Learn to prefer each other. Learn to prefer each other. Love. Let's learn to love each other well as a community. And just as we forgive because we've been forgiven, um, we love because we have first been loved. You know, back in verse 12, the, the, all these verses started by saying this, that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's our identity. That is the starting point for all that I've been talking about this evening. For us as a community, knowing our identity, that we are dearly loved by God. That is our starting point, that is our identity, that is how you can learn to prefer someone else above yourself, because you know that you are dearly loved, your identity doesn't hang on any of those other things, and you are able to prefer someone else, to be second to some, come second to someone else. And you know, Jesus said, you know, a community that is able to love extravagantly is deeply, has a deep effect on the wider community around it. There's something deep, deeply kind of irresistible about our community that is learning to love each other well. You know, Jesus said, this is how people will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love each other. You know, Not necessarily, I mean it is inclusive of this, the way that you love the city around us, but the starting point for how we love each other. And, and it is my kind of belief, my vision that people will see how we do community together. How we are a graceful community that loves extravagantly and they'll want to be part of it before they even know what they think about jesus they will see something in the way that we are that is radically different to communities around us and they'll want to come in they'll come closer to find out who jesus is and they will discover jesus right at the heart of us that is my heart when we're willing to embrace community when we grow in the fruits of the spirit when we choose to put on new clothes as christians um, when we clothe ourselves in the things of the spirit, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, when we learn to bear with each other and forgive each other, and when we learn to love each other extravagantly. You know, When we do these things, we create an environment into which people can be known and belong, an environment where people can be vulnerable, a community that is deeply transformational, both to each other, to individuals, to, as a community, and also to the city around us. You know, that kind of graceful community demonstrates the love of Jesus, a community with Jesus in the centre. And that's the kind of community I'm excited to be part of. And that is the kind of community I'd love for us all to, um, to be a part of, to commit to being a part of. And it takes commitment, it takes sacrifice, it takes willing to be vulnerable. Are you willing to do that? That's my vision for what this community can be. I think it's God's heart for what this church could be, a graceful community. That's the kind of community God is calling us to. Are you willing to be part of it? Are you up for it? Why don't you stand? I'd love just to pray.